Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus and Sean Hackett. This edition of Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Sean, it's uh, I know it's sunny Florida. It's a sunshine state, but it does get dark from time to time, right? Uh, we've actually, you know, we had this uh, little tropical uh, slushy thing come through over the weekend. We had, at least where I'm at, we had 10 inches of rain, so it was a little dark for a while. I saw bar. that. You had some, I saw some hell even on the on the radar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've. I mean, de- definitely not unusual this time yeah. of the year. But it was ten inches of rain even for us. That well, you know, that's we take notice. So. Ten inches of rain anywhere is <laughs> a lot of rain. But <clears throat> if the power would have went out, you could have used this, this sweet little flashlight from Axon Tire. This thing, it's, it's legit. You got a flashlight on one side. You got a window breaker on the other side, and a seatbelt cutter inside there. This is like a the this is like MacGyver's pocket knife. You know what I mean? The whole time I was saying, where everything. is Casey's pocket knife? <laughs> you know, where is it? The shiny little flashlight. Yeah. Oh, look at that. That thing's pretty I sweet. know. I All was, right. I'm waiting. I mean, I definitely need it now. Now I, I've, I've been definitely given the signal. I need one yeah. of those. Now so, more than ever. But if you more than ever, I have to do is send an email to marketing at axontire.com and they'll send that to you free in the mail. So just send an email to marketing at axontire.com. With all your details, and they'll send one out to you as fast as possibly can. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trekking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Sean Hackett is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida, and he's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. So, Sean, how are you doing this morning? I'm really good. Uh, drying out and uh, excited for the week. So. Right on. Ten inches of rain, huh? So, is a lot of local flies flooding there, or is it just... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely some... Uh, and the low-lying areas. I mean, there are, every area is low-lying here, but there are lower-lying areas. Right. But uh, especially Miami gets... I used to live in Miami for four years, and you know they get pretty flooded out in, in some of those uh, areas. So they we had a good round of flooding, but uh, not unusual. Don't let the media make it out to be something that's not. We, we, this happens every year. It's just so. normal. Another day in South Florida. Huh? Another day in paradise, that's it. <laughs> right on. All right. Well, okay, so a couple things I want to hit on here. Um, out of nowhere, 
Russia has really kind of stepped up there. You know what? We're going to make sure everybody gets the grain that they need to get because we don't want, you know, we want to make sure we want to be humanitarian about what we're doing here. Um, don't really want to give Ukraine too much of an opportunity to get any grain out, but we want to give them enough an opportunity to make us look better than we look right now. A couple articles popped up this morning. I was reading through um, Russia says there are two Ukrainian ports ready to ship again. Um, that's coming from the Russians. That's not coming from the Ukrainians. So, you know, two, two, uh, two tells of two tape there, but I guess as you, that, that, you know, like you talked about last time we had the podcast last Tuesday, um, the expectation is zero. So if one shipment of, of wheat gets out of that area, I mean, what's that, what's the market response going to be to that? Well, I mean, look, we got crushed late last week with the idea that maybe some grain would get out. Then we woke up on Sunday night. We saw that they bombed, uh, some terminal and the head and, and a storage uh, building that had grain in it, which said, well, maybe they're not really serious, but the meeting is still going on. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think anything other than nothing is bearish to the marketplace. How bearish it really depends upon, you know, it, what, what, how are they really going to ensure these ships can get in and get out? Um you know, who's going to load these ships, who's going to police the ships, who's going to mine the bombs, you know, right. that are sitting in the water supposedly or not. Um, just a lot has to get worked out. Uh, I'm not saying it can't work out. And I, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm praying that some grain does get out. I really am. Um, so we'll see. You know, I mean, this reminds me so much of the trade war where every meeting you know, we, we had the market rally and then it, yeah. the meeting took place and nothing happened. And we got crushed. We did this for yep. what, six months, nine months. And then finally everyone said, well, it's definitely not going to happen. And then it happened and people still don't believe it. Right. And then they bought, started buying. And then we had a demand driven bull market and everyone got, uh, you know, got left at the altar somewhere out there at some point, grain's going to move out of Ukraine again. I'm not smart enough to know when that moment is, and, and maybe this is the, the building block, the starting point, the place where no one imagines anything can happen. That it, it's, you got to start somewhere. So we'll just have to see. Obviously, the market's very confused. Hit hard last week, took off yesterday. Doesn't know what to do. It's all over the place. The overriding theme for me, I try to predict what I think I can, and I try not to predict what I think I can. I can't predict what's going to happen with this meeting or not meeting. But what I can say is that harvest has just started in the U.S. for winter wheat. Harvest has just started in Russia in winter wheat. And Russia has a record wheat crop, according to my work, and according to research others have done. And so there's going to be plenty of wheat on the market that's going to be for sale from two regions that will sell it. So for now, regardless of what happens on Wednesday or not, I believe that the wheat market's going to stay in check. We're going to have some low-lying fruit. Farmers are going to sell off the combines. These are fantastic prices. And so if anything happens out of this meeting that's at all good of any sort with these supplies coming onto the market, you know, I just think it's a period that we, when we prices can correct here, Casey, in the mid-late uh, June. And then we're worried about some weather problems here in the U.S. and in Europe that could re-excite the market. But for now, I think that the overall risk is for a correction here. So gotcha. Okay. So that's my next question. Just, just <coughs> before, just before we went on uh, uh started recording here, you, you sent out a, uh, a new one, a new report. 
and that was the highlight of your report there was basically, you know, we've got some possible um, uh, mid-June to ju late June to mid-July um, weather scares that could come up. And you've talked about this before where it's not going to be a, a major, huge, colossal problem, but just enough to kind of get the market kind of stirred up a little bit. So talk about that a little bit. Well, in a year when we have very little old crop corn stocks, very little old crop soybean stocks, and very little old crop wheat stocks, you know, you don't need a crop problem. You just need a worry. Right. We could have a crop problem and Mark's going to go crazy because there's right. no tolerance this year for anything other than perfection. So, so even though I don't believe ultimately it'll land in a crop problem, and I think it's just going to be one of your garden variety, two week weather scares, it scares the heck out of everyone. And then the, way, the weather gets back to good and everyone realizes the crop's huge and then we get the harvest lows, you know, it could still create quite a spike trade. Um, and so I guess the point I'm trying to make is if, you know, you're a livestock producer and you need some short-term grain, there could be a short-term opportunity to buy that here in mid-June, let's say late June. If you're a, a farmer that sold a bunch of grain and you're, you know, maybe wanting to maybe buy some of that grain back, uh, you know, as a counter hedge, you know, there could be something along those lines. The bigger picture is we still are heading lower, you know, and, and, I, and, and we believe this year we're looking at early harvest lows instead of later late harvest lows would be like late September, October, early harvest lows would be late August into the first part of September. The reason we're saying that is because of the late planting of many of the crops, we're going to be developing these crops much later in the season. And our initial work on the fall says that we're going to have a lot of rain in areas, meaning a lot of uh, uh, unfavorable harvesting conditions with too much rain and flooding. And we could have some frosts. Uh, that kick in um, and clip a lot of the crop that normally would be far enough matured to not have an issue, but this particular year would be at risk to losing uh, yield and quality at the end. So we think because of those reasons, you know, we're looking at an earlier than later harvest low, but nonetheless, you know, a, a, a decline that, that you as a farmer, as a producer wouldn't want to, you know, participate in without getting enough sales on the books. Right. So. Okay. All right, so let's talk about that. What you just talked about there. So the the northern plains, you know, they're still still wet. I watched a whole string of heavy thunderstorms roll through that that area again yesterday. Um, is that the area that you're concerned about with with the with the flooding and the early frost and those kind of things? And, and yeah, northern northern now? yeah northern tier yeah. Uh, grain belt's going to continue to be where we see the problems with uh, late developing crops, flooding problems during harvest and frost risks to clip the crop near the end. No doubt. We just saw the numbers last night, Casey and spring wheat. It is now as of this past week, it's the slowest planting season on record since we've been measuring this for right. spring wheat in the U S and Canada, I can assure you is worse in terms of it's, uh, it's, it's further along. So, so, so we've had the worst planting season you could possibly have for spring wheat. Now, obviously, the sequence of events from here still means that you still can have, if you look back at delayed crops in the past, you can have terrible crops, you can have okay crops. It's still, weather's still very important from here. But nonetheless, you, 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 have, you have definitely taken the top off what the crop could have been in terms of you're not going to get all the acres planted, which we'll find out at the end of month of June, what we actually planted, which will be an important metric for all the markets. But um you know, we're, we're, we're certainly not going to, we're not getting off to the kind of start we want. And if we get this uh, maturation of wheat into later on than normal, 
you know, we run the risks of, uh, as I said, flood damage and frost damage. And so, yeah, that northern tier and certainly the Canadian prairies are going to be very much on the uh, firing line this fall for, uh, for, for problems, which I think could re-excite the grain markets uh, while we're trying to tell South America, you know, go plant everything you can. So, okay. So as you look at that, what, how, how do you think, I mean, obviously the, the June and July timeframe are going to be that, that key indicator as to what, you know, overall crops are going to look like. Then obviously when the combine runs through the field, that's truly when you get the true measure of that, that in January. But when you're looking at that out to the, like the July crop report and you look at that and there's still this, this, this hole in the, in the Northern Plains where corn and soybeans are having a struggle to get planted. And even though it's, might only be four or five percent off back to your point earlier with with the tight um stocks that we have right now i mean that's sooner or later that's got to kind of start showing it's kind of rearing well i think i think the june report where they tell where the usda tells everyone what was planted versus what they thought they were going to plant and then they work into that equation prevent plant and you know all that abandoned acres and all um you know that should get that should begin to clarify at least what did not get planted or what's right. not going to get planted. It won't tell you how the crop that did get planted is going to turn out because it's right. not far enough long yet, but that's, that will, re- you know, how much of the corn did not get planted in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's talk that more crop got planted in the Eastern <coughs> grain belt um, that maybe offset it. So, that's going to be you know, how many extra soybean acres do we get planted? Um, I know in, in the Canadian prairies, oh, a lot of my customers are talking about planting a lot, lot more canola because of, the, of how late things are. Now they can get canola planted um, and still have a good crop. Whereas a lot of other crops that they would like to have gotten planted, you know, now they're running the risk of you know the yields just falling off, uh, especially up in the Canadian prairie. So, so these acreage reports at the end of the month, Casey, are going to be really important to set. One of the important metrics is how many acres do we have to factor into our production numbers? Um, and then obviously from there, it's, you know, it's the weather, you know, watching the weather, watching the crop conditions like we do every year. Um, if we have this weather scare in the first half of July, it'll scare the bejeebas out of everybody. But I think when we start looking out in the back half of July and August, cooler water weather is going to calm everybody down and get everyone to believe that the big crops are in, they're made, and now we have to factor in. Doesn't mean abundant ending stocks, but something more than like no ending stocks. <laughs> right. You know, right. Yep. and as high priced as we are, the difference between no ending stocks and having some could be the difference between $8 corn and $6 corn or $5.5 corn. I mean, it's, it, it can be dollars difference between those two realities. And that everyone has to remember small changes in, in supplies at this high price mean a lot to the actual physical price moves right now. Right. So, okay. All right. So start looking around. I mean, I can go through five stores this morning talking about big wheat producing countries like Kazakhstan, for example, that they're, they're extending wheat export restrictions. And I mean that, so they're really tightening down those. I mean, to your point, I mean, stocks are tight and everybody sees that and it's just going to continue to be right right through harvest it's just going to continue to be a, a kind of pins and needles well, that's why situation. and that's why once we we move 
we move some of this harvest supply onto the market from U.S. and uh, Russian harvest. We you know, we, we get that overhang and we and we disperse it. You know, there's there's we're we're not done yet. Yeah, yep. we're we're going to have to deal with uh, this situation on wheat later in the year. We just have to get through this harvest period. And at times, I think Russia is going to be very aggressive sellers yep. of their own wheat right now. So, no doubt, um, this is not the end of the story. I think it's a uh, you know it's a what do they call that intermission. You're yep. entering an intermission period right now, which is not unusual. Every you know throughout the year, harvest happened. You get supplies. People can get you know their needs met for a little while, but um, but not forever. Not forever. You know, not forever at all. And then certainly for spring wheat. You know, we're not going to be seeing any of those supplies <coughs> until the end of uh, the summer. So that's going to be interesting. Yep. All right. Let's talk about this for a minute here. Um, cotton. In your latest report, you talk about cart- the cotton and what's going on there. And um, West Texas is starting to get some rain, you know, kind of it was so dry, but you now it's slowly starting to get some rain here and there. Um Last time I looked, it's been a little bit too since I looked. Cotton was like one hundred and forty some dollars a uh, a bale and or a ton. Sorry, and and I guess so. As you're looking at, or as you're looking at, at cotton right now, I mean, <clears throat> have we put the high end? Do you think? And we're starting to we're going to go backwards from here. Or what's your thoughts there? Well, we put a high end. There's okay. no doubt that the getting the rains in West Texas when we did saved zeroing out three to four million acres of West Texas dry land. Mm-hmm cotton i mean that that saved just horrific disaster okay two dollar cotton it it took that so 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 that put a top but you know crops not made you know okay now that crop that ground can produce some cotton but you know how much we don't know yet you know i mean still have to have more rains we have hurricane season coming up which always can play folly with cotton production in the deep south um and then we you know we always have to look at Northwest India in Gujarat, which is a huge, huge exporter of cotton every year. And um, the way the monsoon is setting up this year, it's delayed, which is not a big deal. But it does look like that the Northwest <coughs> portion of India is going to miss out on a lot of the monsoonal rains this year okay. and uh so i think kind of like we talked about corn and wheat maybe catching a a weather scare here in july if you really look this through i think late june into, into early july we could worry about gujarat not you know having worrying about not having a good cotton crop which could bring some some buyers back into the cotton market so i'm kind of feeling similar or i think this rain in west texas can bring correction in the mid june here late june but I, I'm pretty confident that we're not going to see the best weather conditions in Gujarat, and we're going to have to price in some weather risk there. Um, it doesn't mean we we make new highs on that, by the way, but it does mean we can make a, a, a sizable retracement rally until we know more about what that look or does look like. And of course, by then we'll know more about what's happened for another 30 days in Texas areas. So uh, I think a top's been made. I don't think we can say that the top's been made truly until we get through. The hurricane season. I think the market's going to be unwilling to really give up the ghost there, Casey, um, until it knows that we're not going to have a horrific uh, 
you know, windy flooding uh, situation when the bulls are wide open and just ruin the crop at the tail end, which happens sometimes. And so I think the market's going to want to make sure it, uh, it gets, gets through that period, which means we need to get through September before this market's going to, you know, really give up the ghost and say, we're going to to much lower levels here. You know, right on. All right, man. Hey, tell you what, good stuff as usual, Sean. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what's happening with Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. We have all kinds of information on there to let your listeners know what we do and how we do it to see if we could be of help. Right so. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, Moving Iron Podcast on LinkedIn, and go to the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel to see all the great stuff that we're doing here live in color, technicolor, even Sean, not, not just regular color. Wow. Technicolor. I'm really, <laughs> I'm really putting up the big dollars here for this, for this production. All right. Uh, moving iron podcast has a website, moving iron, LLC.com, everything moving iron related there. You can find, check that out for the moving iron um, summit information coming up September 6th, 7th and 8th. Nashville, Tennessee. If you need more information about that, that's not on the website, send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at Moving Iron Podcast.com uh, and I will send that information back to you. So, any dealer, no matter color or size, check that out and uh, see if you can attend that. Sean, I appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Thanks, Casey. Really, really always enjoy being here and uh, we'll, uh, we'll look forward to Thursday. Right on, so. man. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour, Sean Hackett, Exclusive Iron Folks. Axon Tire is going to have more tips, tricks, and client advice throughout the year and in September at the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville. If you're looking to sign up for the event, please head over to movingironllc.com. We hope to see you there. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransitinc.com for all of your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving higher in the 21st century.